Now, reading this morning is um, a version of the triumphal entry uh, on this Palm Sunday. Uh, it's continuing our series in Matthew's Gospel. It's Matthew 21 and verses 1 through to 11. And Colin McDougall is going to read that for us today. Matthew 21, verses 1 to 11. Jesus comes to Jerusalem as king. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of them and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Amen. And may the Lord add his blessing to this reading of his holy word. Now, if you do have your Bible there, please do turn back to Matthew chapter 21 as we think about uh, Jesus entering into Jerusalem in triumph on this Palm Sunday. Now, as we come to this familiar passage this morning, or familiar to most of us, it's, it's worth reflecting on the journey to this point. You see, usually when we come to, to Palm Sunday, um, depending on what we're doing in church at that time, we're usually doing some kind of series, or uh, perhaps if you're in a different type of church, you're using the lectionary. Uh, but then suddenly you come to Palm Sunday, and oh, you dive straight in uh, to Jesus entering into Jerusalem in triumph. But this year, we have had a bit of a long run-up to this point, haven't we? It has been so planned uh, that we have been going through Matthew's Gospel so that we reached the triumphal entry uh, on Palm Sunday. And I'm delighted to say we made it, we did it right, we got there, uh, which, is, which is wonderful. Now there are two things that I want to, to focus on uh, before, or to think about before we focus on this specific passage today. The first thing I want you to notice, because sometimes we don't notice this if we're just, you know, dropped into the story about Palm Sunday is how in control of this whole situation Jesus is. You see, we have seen Jesus set his face deliberately to Jerusalem. We have seen him begin to make that final journey. And we have also seen that Jesus knows exactly what's going to happen to him when he gets there and what faces him. He knows that he's going to be betrayed. He knows he's going to be falsely accused and arrested. We know and he knows that he's going to be crucified. And he knows also that he's going to rise again 
on the third day. Now, sometimes when we, we come to the Easter story, we just think, you know, Jesus didn't know any of that. But he clearly did. He knew exactly what was going to happen. He knows what's going to face him. Now, I guess for, for most of us, knowing what was before Jesus, if we had been in Jesus' shoes, we would have shrunk, shrunk back, wouldn't we? I know if I'm honest, I, I would have done. If I knew that I was going up to Glasgow, which I do on occasion, okay, and that all this stuff was going to happen to me, do you know what my, my, my temptation would be? It would be, well, I'll stay in West Kilbride. Thank you very much. Would that not have been the temptation of Jesus to stay in Galilee? To stay, oh, I don't want to do that. But Jesus knew he had to go through it. And he was willing to go through it. So I want you to notice, first of all, all actions that Jesus takes as he's on his way to Jerusalem are deliberate. They're not accidental. It's not that these things just happen to happen. And this, of course, is true, isn't it, of the passage that we have before us today. Because as they, they come towards Jerusalem, what does Jesus do? He intentionally sends two disciples off to find a donkey and its colt. And then he intentionally rides it into Jerusalem. And he does this, of course, so that Scripture is fulfilled. The Old Testament prophecy from Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. So nothing is accidental. Jesus knows what he has come to do, and he knows what he's doing in riding into Jerusalem in this way. So that's the first thing I want us to notice this morning. Jesus is in control of everything that happens. Jesus is in control. Now the second thing I want to think about, just before we look at this passage in a wee bit more detail, is that when Jesus is riding into Jerusalem as king, we have to remember that this has followed a lot of Jesus' teaching about the kingdom. That's what we've been looking at the last number of weeks, isn't it? And remember that Jesus has been saying to the disciples and to the crowds as well that the kingdom that he brings in is not just like an earthly kingdom. It's a heavenly kingdom. And it's also an upside-down kingdom where the first will be last and the last will be first. His kingdom is not the kind of kingdom that people were expecting or indeed that many were hoping for. Because, of course, many were hoping that Jesus was some kind of military king that would overthrow the Romans. Jesus is not coming into Jerusalem, is he? Riding on a stallion, as into war. What's he riding? He's riding a donkey, a beast of burden, which symbolizes that he comes not as to war, but as to peace. He is a king, but he's also a servant king. He's not what people expected. Now, in many ways, some are disappointed by that. You see, we see this morning, don't we? We see all these crowds before Jesus. We see them singing Hosanna. We see the Pharisees obviously not very happy. But some of those who were in the crowd, I don't doubt, were there. 
that during that next week when Jesus was condemned. And what were they crying out then? They were crying for Barabbas to be freed and Jesus to be crucified. Why? Because Jesus was a disappointment to them. He wasn't the king that they were expected. Now, I want to say to you this morning, now I'm probably going further ahead of my sermon here than I should be, because I think this is later on. But what I want you to notice this morning, or what I want you to think about, is that Jesus is never a disappointment. You see, whilst the people think he might be a disappointment, not at this moment, but certainly later in the week, he's a disappointment. I want you to see is even though Jesus might not be the king that the crowds expected or we expect, that he's something far greater and far more glorious and far more wonderful than the people expected. So before we look at this passage this morning, I want, to see, I want you to see those two things, how Jesus is in control. Nothing happens by accident in this story and in the run-up to this story. And I want you also to see how this story fits into Jesus' teaching about the kingdom, which is an upside-down kingdom. Because if there's a kingdom, there has to be a king. And Jesus, in some ways, is the upside-down king. He is the servant king. So let's have a look at this passage this morning. Now, as we've been seeing over the past number of weeks, Jesus has been going to Jerusalem. He knows that his time is near, And he knows what's going to happen to him when he gets to Jerusalem, as we've already thought about. And so Jesus reaches the end of his journey towards Jerusalem. And as he reaches the outskirts of Jerusalem, he sends two disciples to go and to get a donkey with her colt. Now, we don't know whether this is by prior arrangement that Jesus has arranged this, or that it's a spiritual thing that allows him to use the donkey and it's cold. So we don't know if this is someone he knows and then when the disciples say, look, the Lord needs it, or they know Jesus and therefore they're able to take them, or whether it's a spiritual thing and they're simply able to take them. And the owner says, look, that's fine, understand. But one of the things I want you to notice here is that whilst in the other Gospels, so in Mark, Luke, and John, it's only the cult that's mentioned, that here... It's the donkey and the colt that are mentioned. There are two animals. You notice that? Maybe you've never realized that there's two animals. Now, in our reanimation with the children this morning, there were two animals, but we only took one. Actually, they take both. There are two animals mentioned here. Now, clearly Jesus is riding into Jerusalem on a colt, and it's in fulfillment of the prophecy from Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, which says, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now, some scholars and commentators have thought that that Matthew's misread the parallelism here, okay? Because what happens often in the Psalms is you'll have a line and then it's basically repeated in slightly a different way. So when it says in Zechariah, gentle and riding on a colt, And on a colt, the foal of a donkey, that's referring to the same thing. It's not two animals, necessarily, okay? So some scholars think Matthew's got it wrong. You know, why are there suddenly two animals in this story? And that Matthew's misread the the scene, and therefore he's invented a scene 
where Jesus straddles two animals. That would be very peculiar, wouldn't it? It would look a bit strange. But Mark's gospel helps us here because it says that the colt had never been ridden. So it's never been broken in. Now, I'm no expert on riding a donkey here. The the nearest I've got is the boys doing a donkey ride at Blackpool a few years ago. But my understanding is that an unridden colt would not be easily ridden without its mother present to calm it. Okay, I don't know really whether that's true or not, but that's my, my understanding. And so it seems to me that Jesus rides the colt and there's the mother. The mother of the colt is beside it. So you've got a donkey and you've got its colt. And as Jesus rides along, we are told that the crowd, which by this time is, is very large, spreads their cro- cloaks on the ground. A bit like how we would uh, roll out the red carpet for royalty. And whilst some are putting their cloaks on the ground, there are others who are cutting branches uh, from trees, not named as palm branches here, incidentally. You see that in John's Gospel. And they also uh, put the branches on the road. So you can imagine the scene where Jesus is riding. There's the donkey. Jesus is on the colt. Uh, there are some cloaks uh, over the donkey and the colt. There are cloaks all over the ground. Uh, there are branches all over the ground. There is a thronging crowd all around them. And the people are waving these branches in the air. They were palm branches, a national symbol, a sign of liberation. And there are crowds that are ahead of Jesus, perhaps those who have come out of Jerusalem, incidentally. Crowds that are behind Jesus. And you can imagine, can't you, the commotion, the noise, cloaks being put down, branches like a carpet. And the people shouting, Hosanna. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. What a commotion. What a sound. Now some of these words are from Psalm 118 that Alison began our service with as our call to worship this morning. Hosanna, of course, is an exclamation of praise. And as I said to the children, it means save. Which, of course, is what Jesus had come to do. Now, the people probably don't understand that. They think that Jesus has come to save them from Roman occupation. Jesus had come to save them from something far greater. Their very sin. Now, there was a huge crowd there. And I want you just for a moment just to imagine that you were there in the midst of that thronging crowd. I'm sure that at one time or, or another, we have been in a large crowd. I want you just to imagine being there and, and the noise and the smell and the, and the sounds. Now, lots of people, no doubt, did shout for joy because they loved Jesus. But not all of them. Probably some were just caught up with the crowd, that kind of crowd mentality. Others probably didn't really care for Jesus much above their own dreams and were projecting onto Jesus the king that they wanted rather than seeing Jesus for who he truly is. 
And so what I want you to see is within that crowd, there's probably a lot of mixed motives right there and a a lot of questions. And Mark says in verse 10, probably the key verse for us today, that the whole city was stirred. The whole city. You see, residents of Jerusalem would probably have been unfamiliar with this prophet from Galilee. But they were now introduced to him. And the whole city is stirred. Just as when any place is is stirred, when when an event happens. You know, if you came here when the gala day's on, you know, people coming in, well, what's going on today? You know, they want to know what's going on. People in Jerusalem, who's this? Who's coming in? Why is there commotion? Why are people waving branches? Why are there cloaks on the ground? Who is this person riding on this colt? Well, it's Jesus, the prophet from Galilee. You see, the question that the city asks, those in the city, is who is this? Who is this? And that's the right question to ask, isn't it? Who is this? Why is he making this statement, riding into Jerusalem in this fashion? Who is this? Now, the crowds have an answer. This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Now, that's not quite accurate, is it? Now, Jesus is a prophet. Of course he's a prophet. But he's also far more than that, isn't he? And hopefully over these last few weeks, studying Matthew's gospel, you've been asking that question in your own heart, who is this? You see, we too can be guilty, can't we, of projecting our hopes and our dreams on Jesus. Certainly the crowds do this here. And the disciples have done it too, haven't they? That's why the the mother of James and John went to Jesus. Can my boys sit at your right and left in glory? And Jesus says, well, that's not for me to say. But can they take the cup of suffering that I am going to take? That was the question. You see, the disciples got it wrong, projected their own dreams, their own ideas of who Jesus would be, rather than seeing him for who he truly is. Do we understand who Jesus truly is? You see, the crowds in some ways were disappointed. No doubt there were some of them who just a few days later were shouting for Barabbas to be released and Jesus to be crucified. How fickle a crowd can be. Why was that? Was it because they thought he was a fraud? Maybe. Or was it because he was a disappointment to them? He wasn't the military king they expected. If we've been reading Matthew carefully, we know that the kingdom Jesus brings in is an upside-down kingdom. Jesus knows he must go to the cross to pay the price for sin. And he knows he will be betrayed. He knows he will be arrested. He knows he'll be falsely accused, flogged, and crucified. And he also knows he will rise again in glory. Jesus knows all of this. And he goes through it all. Now, let's never get the impression that this means that Jesus is weak. Sometimes we think that, don't we? Oh, Jesus is not wielding a sword, therefore he must be weak. 
At a word, Jesus could have angels wait on him. He could have shown mighty power. Remember the temptation? He could have had anything that he wanted at any moment. But the amazing thing is that he chose not to. He chose the way of the cross. Now that is amazing when you think about it. Because who is Jesus? Jesus was there at the beginning when everything was created. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the King of Kings. He is very God. The Son of God. He could have shown mighty power. And yet he chooses not to. What does he choose instead? He chooses the way of the cross. A far more significant victory than the crowds would realize. Victory over sin and death. Victory over Satan. The way to reconciliation and peace with God now open. You see, Jesus comes as our king. Not a king to lord it over us. But a king who has come to save us. You see, the crowds only see the small picture, don't they? They know that Rome is occupying Israel. They feel that pain and that misery. But they only see the small picture. Jesus knows the big picture. He knows the spiritual battle. He knows the cosmic battle. And it's the cosmic battle, the spiritual battle, that Jesus has come to win. How does he do that? He does it by the way of the cross. But for now, Jesus comes. And he comes as the king, riding on a donkey. I want you to understand that this doesn't show weakness. This shows strength. I also want you to notice and to know that there will be a day when Jesus will come in all his glory. A day when the heavens will be ripped open and we will see Jesus as he is. His great power, his great majesty, where every knee will bow before him and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And so I want you to see today and I want you to ask that question in your own heart, who is Jesus? And if you see him riding on this donkey and say, well, that's quite a disappointment, isn't it? I want you to understand Jesus is no disappointment. He is the very king that we need. He is the prophet that we need. He is the priest that we need interceding for us. You see, who are we? We are sinners. We have fallen far short of the glory of God. We cannot come to God in our human selves. We're not good enough. We fail too often. But the wonderful thing is that Jesus has come. He has come as our Savior to pay the price for our sin. He's the one who has come on David's throne. He's the one who's come to save. You see, in this passage today, the crowds are stirred. The whole of Jerusalem is stirred. And the question this morning is this. Is your heart stirred? Is your heart stirred? 
Or is this just another Palm Sunday? Or another time when you've come to church? Is your heart stirred? You see, behold your king riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. If you were there in that crowd, would you cut off a palm branch? Would you be waving it in the air? Would you be shouting Hosanna? Because you understand. You understand. Here's your king. And he has come to save. Is your heart stirred by Jesus? If it is today, shout Hosanna. Behold your king. Shall we just pray together? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we think about this story this morning, there is much emotion in this story. We can imagine ourselves in that thronging crowd. We can imagine the noise. We can imagine the the coats, the cloaks going on the ground, the palm branches being waved in the air and placed on the ground as Jesus comes riding on this colt into Jerusalem as the king. We can imagine many people asking the question, who is this? And Father, we recognize this is the right question. Because as we think about this passage this morning, we pray that that question might be stirred in our own hearts. That we would ask the question, who is this? Is Jesus just a prophet? Is he just a good man, a teacher? Or is he much more than that? Is he the savior of the world? Is he the king reigning on David's throne? Is he the king of kings? Is he the one who needs to be king of our lives? Heavenly Father, we pray that our hearts would be stirred this day, that we would be unsettled by Jesus, that perhaps for the first time we might understand who Jesus really is, that he's not come to lord it over us, but he's come to save us, that he has come to show your great love, your mercy, and your grace. That he's come to bring peace to a restless soul. Father, as we come this morning, perhaps our hearts are restless. Perhaps we do feel uneasy. Perhaps we feel lost. But Father, we thank you that when we understand who Jesus is, the very king that we need, that we can sing Hosanna and that we can behold our king. Heavenly Father, we ask that you might move through your Holy Spirit in this place today, that afresh and anew, we might see Jesus for who he truly is, Not the king that the crowds were expecting, but the king of kings, the king that we need. So, Father, speak to us through your word this day, we pray. For we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake.